chapter four of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshette carey this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four dr luttrell's first patient sudden the worst turns the best to the brave browning olivia felt as if she were dreaming as she followed the little procession down the dark garden path once she pinched her wrist slightly to assure herself that she was awake mrs crampton held the lantern and the cook and the two maids carried the armchair with jolting uneven footsteps that brought a suppressed groan to mr gaythorne's lips as they lifted him on the couch he looked so white that olivia thought he was going to faint and begged the housekeeper to give him some wine he was evidently in severe pain it would be better not to touch the foot until the doctor comes she observed and then mrs crampton looked perplexed my master does not hold with doctors ma'am i don't remember one ever crossing the threshold since poor miriam had typhoid fever the foot is swelling already and it will be a job to get the boot off ah i thought so as mr gaythorne winced and motioned her away he will be afraid of one touching it my husband lives just opposite the corner house with the red lamp in harbutt street he is a doctor and very clever and i am nearly sure that he is in just now olivia spoke a little breathlessly and anxiously then she bent over the old man if mrs crampton does not know of another doctor would you mind one of the maids running across the road for dr luttrell you are suffering so much and your foot ought to be treated at once it is impossible for any one to know if it be only a sprain until the boot is removed you fell so heavily that perhaps a small bone might be broken yes and send returned the invalid irritably clear the room crampton you know that i hate to have a parcel of women round me there is no need for you to go madam with an attempt at civility as olivia was about to withdraw at this plain speaking give the lady a chair phoebe but olivia who had excellent tact only smiled pleasantly and shook her head i think it will be best for me to send the doctor across there is nothing that i can do for you until he comes she took the old man's hand as she spoke and pressed it gently i am so sorry to leave you in such pain but i hope you will soon be relieved perhaps you will not mind my inquiring another day but a stranger is only in the way to-night olivia's soft well-modulated voice was so full of kindly sympathy that mr gaythorne opened his weary eyes again thank you was all he said but he watched her keenly as she crossed the long room olivia walked so quickly that she was almost out of breath when she reached her own door the dining-room looked cold and comfortless martha was on her knees before the fireplace trying to revive the blackened embers with the help of the kitchen bellows 
and dr luttrell with a tired face and puckered brow was watching the proceedings somewhat impatiently a tallow candle was guttering uncomfortably on the table is the fire out oh marcus i am so sorry but martha and i will soon put things to rights will you go across to galveston house at once please and here olivia's voice was full of suppressed excitement mr gaythorne has slipped against the curb and hurt his foot he is in great pain i have been helping him and then i said i would send you i have left the gate open so you can just go up to the door marcus listened to these details with an astonished face then he caught up his black bag and nodded acquiescence the tired frown left his face and he moved away with his quiet professional step olivia watched him from the doorstep as she closed the door after him she could have clapped her hands with sheer delight and excitement it was her doing that marcus had his first patient those foolish maids would never have thought of sending for him dot was awake and singing to herself in her usual chuckling fashion in the firelight but olivia had no time to play with her pet the bellows are no good martha she said quickly you must just fetch a bundle of sticks and a newspaper and relay the fire while i kindle the lamp and set the table for tea the room feels like a vault there is a good fire in the kitchen ma'am if you want to make toast observed martha rising reluctantly from her knees i have been ironing miss baby's pennies olivia who was drawing the heavy curtain across the window was relieved to hear this in another quarter of an hour the little room wore a more cheerful aspect the sticks crackled and blazed lustily the green shaded lamp diffused a mellow light the tea-tray was set and the plate of french toast was frizzling gently on a brass trivet at the sound of her master's footstep martha had orders to fill up the teapot and boil the eggs after this olivia played with dot and undressed her and then brought her in to say good-night to her father but she waxed sleepy long before he let himself in with his latch-key marcus paused on the threshold a moment as though something struck him olivia's face looked fair and sweet as she sat in her low chair with the sleepy child in her arms she put back her head with a soft questioning smile as he bent down to kiss her face dot is nearly asleep but i had not the heart to put her in her cot until you had seen her tea is quite ready and martha is boiling some new-laid eggs aunt madge has sent you too a pot of her home-made marmalade because she knows how fond you are of it sit down and begin i shall not be a moment and olivia's voice was so full of suppressed excitement that marcus laughed as he drew his chair to the table he was tired and hungry but he no longer felt impatient and depressed now tell me everything she exclaimed when she came back what have you done was the foot very bad will you have to go to galveston house again rather returned marcus it is a pretty bad sprain i can tell you why i should not be surprised if mr gaythorne is laid up for the next two or three weeks 
he is not in good condition and the shaking and fright have upset him he will want good nursing and plenty of attention as i told his housekeeper i am going again early in the morning and was he civil to you mrs crampton says he hates doctors and olivia's tone was a trifle anxious well he was a bit grumpy at first but i had my work to do and took no notice but when i had helped him upstairs and put him comfortable for the night he waxed a shade more gracious and thanked me quite civilly i fancy he is a character and has lived so long alone that he has grown morose and unsociable that blind hound of his followed us upstairs and would not leave him did you notice him livy yes and is it not a nice house marcus that library is a beautiful room all those hundreds of well-bound books and the massive oak furniture i had not time to notice things but i could not help feeling how deliciously soft and warm the carpets felt to one's feet and then those lovely rugs and skins in the hall his bedroom was just as luxurious mr gaythorne is evidently a rich man though he keeps no carriage mrs crampton told me so he is very fond of flowers there is a sort of conservatory on the first floor full of beautiful plants and an alcove where he can sit and enjoy them i could not help stopping a moment to admire them but mrs crampton did not invite me to go in you may depend upon it the old gentleman is a strict martinet and rules his household with a rod of iron mrs crampton seems a good creature but he spoke pretty sharply to her once or twice but he was in such pain marcus yes my dear i know that oh by the by he sent his compliments to you i am greatly indebted to mrs luttrell and i trust that i shall soon have an opportunity of thanking her properly for her kind helpfulness there livy now we shall hear no more of the nihilist or the roman priest dr luttrell was in spirits it was easy to see that the first patient the first brief the first book ay and the first love what a halo remains round them our first fruits may be immature unripe but to us they have a goodly flavour a subtle sweet aroma of their own all through his successful life dr luttrell will look back to this evening as the turning point of his career when he stood cold and tired watching martha's bellows and his wife's voice with a triumphant ring in it had called to him from the threshold marcus's first piece of good luck had so absorbed them that it was some time before olivia remembered to tell him about aunt madge's present marcus forgot to go on with his tea when he saw the little heap of coins in his wife's hand martha's wages dot's police and even the gloves and new hat trimming were all duly canvassed when marcus said abruptly aunt madge is a trump his glistening eyes were eloquent enough they had so much to discuss that it was nearly bedtime before he offered to go on with the book he was reading aloud but after all they were neither in the mood for other people's stories in youth life is so interesting no chapters of past memories no wide experiences are so beguiling and absorbing oh we lived then how often we hear that phrase as the old man looks back over a long life to the time 
when lads love filled his days with sunshine when marcus lay awake that night there was no deadly coldness at his heart no lurking demon of despondency waiting for the small dark hours to assail him on the contrary hope with seraph wings fanned him blissfully marcus luttrell was young but he was no coward for two years he had waited patiently until the tide should turn wait till the clouds roll by he used to say cheerily but only his wife guessed how he was really losing heart as day after day and month after month passed and no paying patients presented themselves at the corner house at galveston terrace olivia was at the window the following morning with dot in her arms as dr luttrell with his shabby black bag crossed the road he looked back once and dot kissed her dimpled hand to him olivia who admired her husband with all her honest girlish heart watched eagerly until the slight well-built figure passed between the stone lions if he were only a little older looking she thought regretfully but his smooth face and fair hair gave him a boyish look it was absurd of course but she could settle to nothing until he came back but marcus who had had a bad accident case on his mind was in too great a hurry to satisfy his wife's curiosity the foot was going on as well as he expected but mr gaythorne was unable to leave his bed he was going again in the evening and now he must be off to the model lodging-house to see if the poor fellow had pulled through the night olivia had planned out her morning she had her marketing to do and her purchases to make then it was only right to go round and tell aunt madge of the wonderful piece of good fortune that had befallen them mrs broderick was unfeignedly pleased still olive she remarked with commendable prudence one swallow does not make a summer no aunt madge of course not but as marcus says one patient brings others galveston house is a big place and when the neighbours see him going in and out it will be a sort of testimonial besides i shall quote deb's favourite proverb every mickle makes a muckle now i really must go for i want to cut out dot's police and the dinner olive are you sure it will go round to-day then olivia laughed in a shamefaced way yes indeed i have been dreadfully extravagant and we are going to have steaks and chips because it is marcus's favourite dish and martha does it so well there's a whole pound of steak and just a little over i saw it cut myself and it was such good weight and hesitating a little there are currant dumplings too come this is feasting indeed but aunt madge smiled a little sadly when she found herself alone does olive half realize how happy she is she said to herself she is a rich woman in spite of all her poverty and cares when one has youth and love and health and a good conscience every day is a feast and a delight one day marcus will drive in his carriage and pair he is a clever fellow and there is real grit in him and people will find it out they always do and olive will wear silk dresses and get stout with prosperity and good living but i doubt if she will be quite as happy as she is to-day cutting out dot's police and enjoying her day-dreams and very probably mrs broderick was right marcus was more communicative that evening when he returned from his second visit to galveston house 
mr gaythorne was not exactly an ideal patient he had a will and a temper of his own and already his opinion clashed with his doctor's marcus had laid great stress on perfect rest he wished his patient to remain in bed for the next two or three days but mr gaythorne perversely refused to do anything of the kind he would put on his dressing-gown and lie on the couch he hated bed in the daytime it made him nervous and spoilt his night's sleep i shall have to give in to him went on marcus a little irritably if i were in good practice i should just throw up the case my good sir i should say if you will not follow my directions it will be useless for me to prescribe for you my professional reputation is at stake and i cannot stand by and see you retard your cure can't you fancy me saying it livy and marcus tossed back his wave of hair in his old boyish way yes dear but people will soon find out what a splendid doctor you are and so that poor glazier in the models will recover you think yes i hope so the chances are in his favour poor chap it was hard lines crashing through the roof of that conservatory if i had not been on the spot he would have bled to death before they could have got him to a hospital you might go and see them livy they are decent people she is a pleasant hard-working young woman and they have two little children and the place is as clean as possible i told mr gaythorne about them just to amuse him but he only grunted and looked bored by the way you are right in one of your surmises he has bought your favourite picture of the prodigal son it was on a chair beside his bed and he consulted me as to where he could have it hung i was going to suggest over the mantelpiece but then i saw there was a large picture there with a silk curtain over it that must be his wife's picture marcus how nice of him to have curtains over it very nice if we could be sure that mr gaythorne has been married and had a wife he returned a little dryly but i should not be surprised to find that he was an old bachelor he is far too fussy and precise for a widower but my dear child we are getting into very gossiping ways and i must really get on with that book aunt madge lent us and then olivia consented to hold her tongue and let him read aloud to her as usual End of chapter four